0: Hey guys, welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we got started today, I actually want to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using called PicDrop. Uh, it's a really great image transfer tool um, actually designed by a photographer and they really had photographers in mind when they designed it um, i've been using it for a few weeks now and it's really kind of helped me organize all my, all my files in one spot i can create private galleries and my clients can actually write notes to me on the photos i sent to them um, so like i said it's just kind of helped me kind of streamline my business keep everything organized and this communicate much easier with my clients um, i can't recommend it enough for Years I was just using kind of zip folders and Dropbox and We Transfer, but with uh, Pick Drop, they really they, they understand what photographers need and really designed this like really good product. And uh, with today's podcast, if you actually use the promo code Photo Banter when you sign up at pickdrop.com, you're actually going to get three months free um, of the image transfer tool. So, yeah, definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. Uh, but remember, when you sign up, use the promo code. Photo Banter at pickdrop.com, and you'll get three months free. And uh, without further ado, we'll get into the podcast here. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer William Coupon. William has worked with clients such as the New York Times, Rolling Stone, Nike, and Esquire, to name a few. William became very well-known for his formal portraits of well-known people such as Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton, Miles Davis, and John michel Basquiat, to name a few. Beyond shooting for top editorial and commercial clients, William has exhibited his work in galleries across the world. I've been a big fan of William's work for years, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well William Coupon, welcome to the podcast. Uh thanks so much for taking the time to do this, man. Not a problem.
1: Yeah, Happy to do
0: it. Yeah, definitely excited to talk to you. I've been following your work for years. Um but I guess I was kind of start off. I was kinda of curious to know you just got back from I think Bogota, right? Uh what were you shooting down there?
1: Um, actually I went to retrieve some work that was in an exhibition in there three years ago, almost. so instead of shipping it back, which was pretty expensive, I just thought you know just take hey, go down and get it yourself, and whatever I want to bring back, I can bring back And whenever i didn't have to i didn't have to and then I had an appointment in Cartagena with a top gallery there oh nice and um, and i I love Cartagena, so it was a good excuse to uh get some beach action in
0: That's cool, yeah, I've never been down there. What do you like about it uh, down there in uh, Bogota? Well,
1: more Cartagena. The Cartagena. Um Bogota is really more of a commercial center, but Cartagena is more of a colonial gem mm. and it's uh impressive colonial architecture and vibrant and it's in it's beach and the and the the buildings are so well maintained, they've been you know, really really well done. It's just a beautiful it's just it's all about beauty everywhere you turn. Mm-hmm. Bogota is another story. Bogota is like it's like the biggest residential large city I've ever seen. It's, it's not there's not a very big center city. Yeah, but it's so residential, um, basically in the eighties mostly. I guess people seventies and eighties with the um, cocaine traffic. The uh, people in the country were forced to flee from the narcotics trade, and they and they basically entered Bogota. And the country, the city exploded from that
0: point. Damn, that's wild. And was that kind of the first time you've been showing your work down there in galleries or is that something you've been doing for a while?
1: No, I just it was a it was a uh show I had uh, three years ago in, under, oh, under cool. the uh under the uh jurisdiction of a, of a of a fashion magazine. I met this owner of a magazine and uh got a fair amount of press and uh, there's a pretty Pretty nice uh, art scene going on in Bogota.
0: Hmm.
1: It's kind of like, like New York in the 70s or something.
0: Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, I guess just to kind of go back a little bit, I was kind of curious, like, where you grew up and, like, how you kind of get into photography initially.
1: Well, raised in, uh, born in New York, but raised in Washington, D.C. and in, in suburban San Francisco. Hmm. Um, I went to Syracuse University and um was a floundering terrible student and i was at that time i was thinking i should be an actor yeah but i i came i got to new york after school um saved enough money working as an ice cream man to get to new york and i um wanted to be a, a musician but that was soon uh yeah, um, dampened by my real, by my certain sense of realism that I wasn't going to be good enough in the music area. Yeah, and I always thought I always thought I could do photography. I don't know why. I just always thought I could do it. So I uh, got a got a Nikon Mat, and I started shooting at uh, Studio Fifty Four in wow. the summer of seventy eight. Wow! Never having any, never really had any training. And then I gravitated towards uh, a, a, another club at the time called the Mud Club, mm. which was like the hot, the hot, the hot place for the from you know my peer group by you know early twenties mid twenties. And it was uh it was definitely a counterpoint to the '54 disco craze. Mm. It was you know underground
0: the punk scene, so it was kind of cool. What was it that you kind of, you're just kind of photographing your friends and kind of the music scene pretty much when you kind of started out the mud? Yeah,
1: thing. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, they had, they had these, they had these funny event nights, you know, pajama club night or whatever, just crazy, you know, That's you cool. know, themed, themed events. And and then, uh, right, you know, I thought I got a bunch of people, John Cale, the Velvet Underground, David Byrne, Debbie Harry. Wow. Chris Stein, Stein and a bunch of other, And then I wound up shooting uh, artists, you know, uh, Keith Haring and Jean-Michel Basquiat. And um, just, so I I had my, I befriended the owner, he gave me a show, so I had my work on the walls at the Mud Club, and and a lot of the record companies took notice, so I started getting album covers.
0: My first color job, in fact, was shooting um, Bette Midler. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So you kind of this you before you moved to New York, you weren't even you had never picked up a camera, and you kind of this moved to New York, picked it up, and sounds like it moved pretty, virtually pretty quickly for virtually. you. just kind of getting into show. Yeah,
1: no, it was a complete, uh, complete no resistance uh, upward thing. Uh, you know it it, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I you know after the after the mud days, I decided I'd get more national. And I I started working for national magazines, Esquire, um, New York Times, Time Magazine. And I started, you know, developed uh, quite a repertoire of, you know, of uh, editorial work, working for all the magazines that I always wanted to work with if I were to do this photography. Yeah, And uh, that worked. And then in 85, I did a poster and I said, I'm going to do advertising. <laughs> I had a little sports car at the time. I had an assistant and I we went up and down Madison Avenue and dropping off this what was eventually gonna be a pretty classic poster of fifty six images mm. in a grid. So I I uh started getting advertising work and that, all of a sudden my day rate went from three hundred to three thousand and I was like,
0: Wow, this is really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because like was there like a point like you thought you could like make this a career like or did this all kind of this kind of organically kind of come together for you pretty much like you're shooting at the mud club when did you kind of feel like you was there like a point where you needed to like build a portfolio to show to these magazines or did this kind of all kind of yeah
1: you were always, always getting
0: portfolios sending them to well
1: you know the portfolio thing really wasn't a big factor until I started with advertising in 85
0: mm-hmm. uh, I,
1: I had been getting enough care sheets from magazines up until then that there was most you know most magazines started to get to know me. Mm. In those days, it was not like it is now. I mean, are you are you you're a photographer? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I could not imagine starting it today. I mean, it isn't the same climate at all. No. I mean, back back in those days, if I you know I I used to just say if you were available and you were half decent and you'd get a lot of work. Damn. And that's kind of where, that's kind of where I was at. I mean, there was a lot of work for everybody. Mm. Um, I, I, my, I mean, one of my favorite stories is it would, you know if I walked down Park Avenue, I, you know, I was if I went to Two Park Avenue, I say, "Oh, Robert Priest, the art director, is there from Esquire. Mean, Avenue. maybe there's something he can give me." So I would just go up, say hi to Robert, and he, he'd say, "Hey, um, William, we got a got a shoot coming up. How would you like to shoot Joe Biden?" Damn. <laughs> so I go to D.C. and in those days, also you'd have an assistant you're shooting analog so you'd have um you know there was there was a fair amount of expenses involved Mm -hmm. which really kind of dissipated today too and then hey back in those days you know you do stock photography you'd have your file and as your catalog grew you'd have x amount of images that people would would want us for resale Mm -hmm. So you'd have what's called a research fee. You dig, out, you dig out your file, you take the crumbs that you selected, put it in a folder and FedEx them off. And uh, you know, you get their FedEx number and you put it in. If you don't use anything, it'll be a $125 research fee.
0: Oh, wow. That's bad. So you get 125 bucks without even having to do anything other than sending
1: crumbs out.
0: Yeah. That's pretty amazing, and you know, kind of looking at the work on your website, your Studio Fifty Four photos, it's kind of like, um, like documentary style photos, and and then you kind of got really well known for your your portraiture, like almost kind of studio uh, style. Um, how did that kind of come about? Like, you were you this kind of, were you shooting portraiture at the same time, or did the portraiture kind of come later for you? Well, it was you know, I, I only I shot for three weeks at
1: Studio Fifty Four,
0: so mm. I think it.
1: I think I was always. I always knew that I, that I had a leaning towards doing the formal medium shot portraiture, so I quickly got into that, even though the Studio 54 pieces are somewhat portrait-like because they're, they're kind of silhouetted. They're a lot like portraits, a lot of them, but not anything like the formal studio portrait. Yeah. So, so it was like soon after that. It wasn't, it wasn't much development time. It was just like I decided I'd get this piece of Belgian linen and I'd um, bring it down to the mud club. I was living a few blocks away, and I just um, started uh, shooting in that format.
0: Yeah, it was pretty amazing because you, you came, like, really well-known for that, like, style. Um, You photographed, I think, what, like, four four three three or four presidents, like, countless celebrities um did that kind of style did like editors and stuff magazines just kind of react to it pretty quickly and just kind of keep asking for it or is it just something you kind of always would do this kind of bring that background on every shoot or how did it become like kind of well known i guess well
1: the longer story is i love to do the the backdrop portraits um but i always shot contextual images um Environments mostly on the Roly mm. on the old Roly and i you know I, I had a kind of formal eye so i um so in other words i was I was shooting a lot of environments, but no one really no one was really publishing them mm. um people started really liking the backdrop portraits, so i it really got much more um know, in, in demand for doing those
0: yeah. Did you ever feel like, did you ever get like burnt out on it? Like you wanted to do something else or did this magazine just kind of keep asking for it? Or is it this kind of something you always in, enjoyed? Well,
1: oh, they asked for it until, until the style, you know, got, uh, yeah. let me hit my sorry, thing off. No worries. emails came in. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I just always loved it. I didn't care what anybody told me. I was like, I was obsessed, you know, mm-hmm. I just kept, kept doing this, that style, you know, you know, 10 years, 12, 15 years afterwards through the age, would you do something else? Uh, not, not art directors, I mean, more colleagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was more like, to be honest, I always perceived it as more of jealousy. because I, I, I always really enjoyed doing it. In fact, I just had a shoot on Friday. Backdrops came out fantastic. I, you know, I'm still loving it
0: no that's cool yeah because like um you know photography is weird like when you're trying to make a living at this and things like um did you ever feel like you needed to like create work that was going to attract clients or have you always just kind of this created the work that you enjoy kind of put it out there and hope people will kind of react to it
1: yeah no i you know i always just did what i wanted to do Mm. really i was i was fortunate that it was a style that you know, it's not—it's not anything new. I mean, you know, it's been done for—you know—if you look at back, if you go through paintings, that's one thing. But if you look at for photography, the backdrops were used in the eighteen hundreds, and they were used—you know—to their utmost with someone like an Irving Pen. Yeah. So I was like, it wasn't like anything new. And, he, you know, I, I probably brought into it a certain color palette that wasn't really used before. Yeah. Or at least it wasn't used as much. I mean, so I started doing color, color, and having stuff look very painterly. Hmm. So people looked, uh, you know, it wasn't over cosmetized so people looked real. And people took a liking to that, and over that over that stretch of 20 years, let's say. I mean, now you've got, you know, now you've got the tight cropped headshots of, like, Martin Scholler or something, eh?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's and that's that.
1: That's, no, that's the, that's the big rage. I and mean, then you see people parodying that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Everyone's just got to find their voice. Um, I've always, I've always just enjoyed it because it's just kind of you know straightforward, cl- clean. It's this. Uh, that's why I kind of enjoy it, like your type of portraits, like Avadon. It's just kind of real straightforward. It's about kind of about the subject, pretty much. You know.
1: Mhm.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: I'm not
0: one for props and stuff. Mm. And with when you're photographing all these people like you like I said you photographing Bill Clinton, Richard Nixon, uh Miles Davis, um how do you kind of pr- approach a portrait shoot? Um it, do you kind of have a plan in mind when those people arrive? Um are you a photographer do you shoot a lot or do you shoot quick or what's your kind of approach for each of these sittings usually? No plan,
1: quick and
0: Making them feel
1: comfortable. And I don't really have anything ever. I never have anything really ever, you know, preconceived. I just kind of let it happen. Hmm. Um, without without particularly that much direction.
0: Hmm. No, it's interesting. And do do you remember the first president you photographed?
1: The first president.
0: Was it was it Nixon hmm. was it Nixon or or.
1: No, Nixon was later. Okay, Um, I shot all the presidents since Nixon, with the exception of of Obama. Okay, so I've shot six, I believe. I've hit six. Let's see, who else shot first? It must have been. It may have actually been Clinton when he first won.
0: Oh, really. Was that uh, do you remember that being like were you like intimidated in photographing a president, or is it this kind of another portrait shoot for you? Do you feel like any added pressure photographing a person of like that status i guess
1: well uh, there's certain there's a certain added anxiety um, most mostly based on the fact that everything I do is very simple, but yeah. if one little thing goes wrong in the equation it's it's a mess yeah so if, if there's anything wrong with the filtration or the the lighting, or if there's some some glitch and something, and you know I've got, of course, you got backup equipment and everything, but it's just you know it's just uh, added pressure on the president. You
0: can't make a mistake. Mm. And i only I've only had a couple of errors. Oh really? of errors and, Oh yeah. Steve, 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 Steve Pratt, our mutual friend, he, he he told me to ask you his question. I don't know what it means, but he told me to ask you if you've ever forgotten your camera for a shoot. I don't, I don't know he, he must he must have been we must have been on the same wavelength
1: yeah i mean I, I was actually shooting at studio 54 and i was out till about six in the morning and i uh had a shoot the next day up in stonington connecticut to shoot, uh sergio Frankie. he was a famous singer at the time wow forgot so to bring my
0: camera <laughs> so what do you do you showed up there you got no camera what did well, you well
1: the weird thing it was a sunday and thank God he had he had this antique camera collection. Wow! And one of the cameras was 120. <laughs> so I didn't have a didn't have a sync on it though. So I I just kept using long exposures and having my assistant just pop the button Damn. for the lighting, and it actually worked. So oh, thank oh. God.
0: <laughs> Holy shit! I <laughs> get you probably never made that mistake again, right?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, I did start experimenting, but I shot the. I shot Arthur Ashe in infrared film. Oh, really? Yeah, the problem is he came
0: out white. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Interesting. So it was rejected.
0: Yeah. Those are the only two times I've had crazy crazy things with that. No, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, being a photographer, it's a lot of politicians. I was kind of curious, like, have you ever felt like... uh, Conflicted, like you didn't want to photograph someone, maybe because you didn't agree with them politically, um, or is it you feel like you you take that out of it as a photographer? Because um, I know it's myself, I photographed Sean Spicer earlier this year, and I felt kind of weird about it because I was like, I don't agree with him, but the, I ended up photographing him. But I guess, like, what's your stance on that? Have you ever felt like, have you ever felt weird about photographing? No, you have to separate. You separate.
1: The images from the uh, politics. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like you have to be you have to document or depict a person you want. You know, asked to endorse their policies or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I uh, plenty of people. But I, I've shot Trump twice. I can't stand the guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. What was your experience? You, you had an interesting photograph. You, I think, it was he it was like holding a bird. Um, what was that all about? And yeah, like, I it,
1: was, get... it was for uh, Manhattan. In 1983, I think. Yeah. 85, 83, I think it's somewhere in there. He was uh, up for his services as a peace negotiator between Israel, Israel and the Palestinians. Mm. So we thought, let's get a, a white dove in there. Mm. So uh, the bird proceeded to poop all over him, and, <laughs> and that was pretty funny. And uh, that was fine. I mean, he didn't like the article. Apparently, I saw him. I saw him actually with Steve. I think it was with Steve at a, at a golf shoot because I don't know, you may have mentioned that we worked on a bunch of Titleist ads for years. Yeah. Ran into uh, Trump on the golf course, and I uh, had the picture of my iPhone with that dog, and he,
0: he remembered. That's pretty interesting. What was your kind of inter- your experience photographing him? I know you mentioned he photographed him twice. Um, was he difficult to deal with, or what do you kind of remember about those shoots, no, I guess? No,
1: I don't think it's difficult. he's just He definitely puts up a a coarse front so that you are, uh, intimidated, let's say. Mm. Yeah. Cause like, so I, he's, not, yeah. he's not a friendly, he's not, he's not your, uh, your all time friendly dude.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cause like as a portrait photographer, how, how do you deal with tough subjects? I'm sure you run into it sometimes. Like what, what do you feel? How do you kind of get through those shoots where people don't want to be there, but at the same time you, you got to make a, a uh, compelling photograph. How do you kind of deal with those situations? Well,
1: you know, a lot of people don't like being photographed. Mm. I, I, I probably don't myself, but I, I think uh, the other element, I guess, is that people. There's a certain element that if people have some, simpático, some, some some good quality or some personal personable element they bring to it. Because I think they think the photograph, the photograph will be better. Yeah. So I mean, most people, most normally developed people. I mean, I've heard horror stories about Ted Turner. Yeah. And uh, and and Trump's kind the same. They're just like people that are real, real abrupt and don't, you know, just feel like after three pictures you're done. You, know, you didn't get it. What are you
0: talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. Um, and you know one shoot I was really interested in talking to you about is you, you photographed Miles Davis uh, which what was that photograph for and I guess how was that how your experience photographing him as such a legendary musician
1: well he was uh, pretty eccentric oh really and I guess I was shooting him for Issey Miyake the Japanese fashion designer um, I had a three week old daughter at the time and I used to put her in uh the arms of some of my subjects at that time. And he was one of them. Oh, wow. Um, but say had brought over a couple, there were like three or four female models that were there, and he was pretty, um, he was, you know, groping at them and being kind of a real pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. It was kind of embarrassing in a way, but, you know, it taught me that you could be a genius on one level and a complete jerk on another.
0: Damn, that's brutal. Yeah, that's it. A,
1: shows you how you know you can be developed in one area and lose a few others.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Um, and you know, uh, looking at your work, like you mentioned, you kind of do like you've kind of shot advertising, editorial. You do the gallery stuff. Um... When you're shooting advertising, is that something you enjoyed photographing too? And is there, do you feel like there's like a different approach to that style of work versus I don't know if you're shooting editorial or your personal stuff, or is it all? No,
1: kind of- basically the whole thing is the same.
0: I didn't find much of a line at all.
1: Mm.
0: Um, you know, I got a
1: big Nike campaign in '89. Just shot them on the backdrops and did about ten ads. It was like the first Just Do It campaign. Damn. And um, it was like you know I, I found into some really lucky situations over overall when I look back. Mm. I mean, you know, it's it's been you know it's been spotty. You know, wasn't you know there were back in the day you're, there was always a shoot piggybacking another shoot. Now it's you know it's not like that at all.
0: Yeah, it's just, certainly uh,
1: for me. I I abandoned the whole art the whole. Um, Commercial art scene in um, New York, and moved out to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and now I'm just concentrating on galleries and stuff. And so I'm having I'm having shows
0: and selling prints, and mm.
1: you know doing that. That's basically what I'm doing right now.
0: Was that this kind of more this kind of interest? You just wanted to focus in on your your gallery work, or was it the editorial you just kind of weren't interested in it anymore?
1: Or? Yeah, I mean the whole
0: the whole um, complexion changed and the dynamics
1: changed a bit i just i don't really go to i don't really solicit my work i i never really get it anyway particularly the whole time but hmm. i'm not i'm not going to i'm not trying to get work for magazines yeah if i if i got something i would you know take a look at what it is and then decide whether you know it's good or not i yeah i'm I'm far more interested in 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 galleries shows and and you know framing and printing and and using the extensive catalog I have because it's pretty big, <clears throat> there's a lot of um, work from around the world that I did that I used to just took my advertising money back into.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it seems like so, it seems like it's interesting. You say like you you didn't really ever really try to kind of solicit your work. It's almost this kind of everything kind of happened happened happen organically. And I think even for me, like um, anytime I try to like market my work, a lot of times it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just The jobs just kinda happen organically pretty much. Like if people like your work, it seems like they're just gonna respond to it and hopefully hire you for a job, I guess.
1: I mean I I I won't hit you by saying I'm I mean, am I shocked or surprised that I haven't been getting more work? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's done I just don't thankfully I don't need it Mm. to survive. So, you know, I'm I'm like um you know, it's you know, in the course of the time that we've been speaking, I'm getting emails about following up on Andy Warhol print sale and a, yeah. you know, a gallery thing like, that's up right now in Santa Fe. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm just, I've got enough to, to consume my days without having to do more shoots. Um, I'll do them, and I I'll, honestly, I shoot a fair amount, but just on my own and mostly with the RX100 Sony. Just shooting uh, street stuff. Mm. It's like the last five years, I've mostly shot digital,
0: IRIS digital mm. street pictures. Was that like a was that was that like a weird transition going from like you're a guy who came up in the film days switching over to digital? Was it a weird transition? Is it kind of No,
1: and... I mean it was a blessing really. I mean, I never I never really made a lot of money doing this stuff, and I didn't. I certainly didn't have a lot of money ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So when when I, when digital, 10, 15 years ago, when digital first started to become popular, for me it was like a blessing. Then I had to like bring, you know, 100 rolls of film, roll film down to South America and come back and spend $1,500 on processing contact sheets. And, you know, it's all different deals using, you know, doing silver mm-hmm. versus the uh, digital. But the digital's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a plus or a minus. The fact that you can, shoot away I and mean, it's about it's about you know I obviously it's about the substance of the pictures it's not about you know whether it's a silver print or not but you know collectors are another story yeah but I, I do I do like the digital thing I like digital printing I mean it's I I did some early early digital work with Graham Nash back in the 80s when he was printing on irises and had dash editions oh yeah and I I thought the stuff was Fantastic, and no one was showing Irish
0: prints in galleries then. Mm. No, it's interesting. You know,
1: now, now it's like you know the whole digital scene has exploded.
0: Yeah, it's almost like uh, that's why I feel like digital 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 photography has kind of changed the landscape of like the actual like business of photography because the bar to entry was so much easier because anybody can just get a digital camera and then they're they're, they're kind of yeah. Photog- no, it's kind of changed the game in some a lot of aspects of it I think, you know.
1: Even the iPhones have got some pretty damn good quality. I use it quite a bit.
0: Oh yeah, it's great. It actually it it can do some stuff my like my freaking $4,000 camera can't do sometimes. <laughs> it's crazy. You live you're in Boston, huh? Yeah, I am in the Boston area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I saw How do you mean Steve? Uh Steve uh I was a, I was like a photo assistant on some Titleist jobs when I first got out of school for this photographer I worked for, and then I just always kind of kept in touch with Steve, um, but you guys worked on all the Titleist stuff together, huh? Yep. Yep. No, that's cool. And I saw, what um, yeah. last year I think you published a book called Portraits, correct? September I had a book coming. out. Did you get it? Uh, not yet, but I, saw it. I was looking at it online. Um, but what was kind of By your
1: Amazon, it's pretty good I'm pretty happy with it
0: yeah I'll post a link to it when I publish the podcast Um, what was kind of your uh your goal with that book did it take you a while to kind of edit it down from all your photos or what was kind of your goal with yeah
1: it was, a, it was tough I had a lot of people I could do a whole, whole other book mm. of of that but the first book is got a little bit more of an emphasis on the celebrities and the well-known people which I didn't really want to do but I was persuaded by various people that that was the one I should do first, so yeah, I wound up doing it.
0: What did you want to do? What was your initial?
1: The ethnographic stuff, the tribal stuff I wanted to do. but That'll be the next book, or, or the third book, because I was on the phone today with another publisher who wants to do some stuff on the punk, the punk stuff with me. mm
0: that's cool. And no. like, what is it? What do you enjoy about like with the showing your work and doing the books and all the gal- gallery shows? What do you enjoy about it? What do you kind of gets you excited about that type of work? I guess.
1: Well, it's nice to you um, know you know how well stuff can be printed, especially when you printed it digitally. Mm. so it's like nice to see stuff well framed in a gallery show. I have a show right now in Santa Fe. It's on jazz musicians, which you know is a small percentage of my work, but enough to do a show of about eighteen piece- pictures.
0: Mm.
1: So worked out pretty good
0: that's cool and like i know you spent years living in new york and now you're living in santa fe um what kind of prompted you to move to santa fe and how's it how, do you think like it's it kind of changed your photography or your approach or anything
1: well yeah, it's just uh i just came out here and i i you know the the whole rat race in new york even though i love new york i, I basically my comment is it didn't love me back i mean you the work didn't exist anymore, like it did, and, and there's no point in me hemorrhaging mm-hmm. all this money out there. So I, I bought a glorious, beautiful glass house out there. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's a great base for for all my stuff is here. And I, really, you know, it's really great. I live you know, a little outside Santa Fe. It's just beautiful, beautiful. And I travel all the time. I mean, I'm traveling half the half the time.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing. I I I love Santa Fe. I've been there once. It's uh... I feel like I've never lived in New York, but I've always lived kind of like in a small town, and I feel like I can just focus better on my photography. In New York, it's just like so crazy, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it's just it's just like the whole the whole work thing, mm-hmm. you know, contracted to the point where it wasn't really worth spending the kind of money that I, you know, that you need to be in New York to,
0: you know, it's just fine. I don't want to work at I don't want to operate at a loss. Yeah, for sure, and uh, so. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned it. Um, uh, you've kind of spent years photographing tribes, uh, I think, like New Guinea, uh, all over the world. Um, when did you kind of start working on those photos? Is that something you've been doing for years? What, what kind of prompted you to start working on uh, that series? I guess
1: and that was always um, that was always something I wanted to do, and started with the Mud Club, just seeing subcultures and different small, you know, subgroups of people. and So I, uh, it was like February of 79, I think I went to Haiti. Did my first trip down there and that was, you know, that started it. And when I went to the Australian government and got a couple of tickets to go to Australia to photograph aboriginals and, yeah. and we tried to figure out how either magazine could pay for some of
0: it. So I, I did 30 of those around the world. That'll, that'll be the next book. Damn. were like pe- people pretty responsive to being photographed most of the time, or did you have any peop- people kind of push back, or what was kind of your experience photographing all these different? No,
1: it wasn't a problem, so so really the very end, I started getting set up some you know you know when you when you're paying you know sometimes you're paying people, and I hate that, yeah, so it gets cheap.
0: Yeah, yeah, it gets kinda uh, a little... You know, it's not their own your own merit. They're like,
1: you know, it's more mercenary and and then you feel like you're being mercenary because you you know it's like it's mutual using and I didn't I didn't feel good about that. I didn't feel like I was using them, but then again in a certain context you are you know, like what am I what what honesty what what am I telling them you know? I'm doing this for a museum, you know, in some cultures like oh a museum it means I'm dead. Yeah. yeah so like it it was problematic and I just I stopped it for a while, actually, November of 74, during Thanksgiving, I, I did a project and I um, thought
0: that was going to be the end. Mm. And you uh, you, still, you still think you'll do, a, you'll do a book with those, you think? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and I did a couple more projects
1: in the last five years with that, but, you know, it's not, you know, it's kind of the old thing, you know, you know, you, you can just look right out your back, your back window and you don't have to go to the far ends of the earth to, to get something that's appealing or, you know, have, have some sense of worth. Mm. Yeah. And then the whole thing about travel work, gets a little, you know, when I started it, there wasn't, it wasn't like many people doing it. And now there's, you know, proliferation of the doing, doing it. So I feel like, you know, I, the sense of of the exotic, you know, it gets a little, um, you know, it just it just gets a little tiring or
0: something. Yeah, definitely. Like I've always respected the photographers that like this can make interesting work. This the stuff that's right in front of them. Like they didn't have to travel. Yeah,
1: right. you that's, I mean, that's what you got to think. You can't. Yeah. You know, so for a long time I was like, let's go to the, you know, uh, this remote area. These remote people, and, but it's you know, there's something um, that can be said and, and something bizarre about even just shooting Americans, you know.
0: Yeah, because even like
1: the tension is strange enough.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> even like what you, what you might think is like boring in your, in your life could be really interesting to someone looking at your work. You know, like you might live in Iowa or wherever, but. It's this all perspective, I think. It's this because you're this used to seeing it on a day to day basis, but for other people, it's this kind of a different window. It's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, well,
1: like yeah. I think I remember reading a few years ago all these these Vietnamese that you are know, doing the meat packing. And I was like, that would be something. Maybe I, maybe that'll be fun to do. Mm-hmm. if I were there. You know, if I were to do something like that. But you know, there's just there's endless stuff to do, and there's most stuff has been done already, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of, um, I'm getting a little older. I got you know, I, I, you know, I've enjoyed doing the photos, but I, you know, I'm, I place much more of a priority on enjoying my life first.
0: So, mm. You know, it's not like I mean, I even went ahead and bought a ticket to
1: see the Rolling Stones.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> Damn, that, that's <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> well, uh. I got the upper tier. It wasn't expensive. But I figured it would be her last concert. But, you know, stuff, I like to, you know, I like to do
0: things for fun. Hell yeah, man. Let's keep it keep it exciting. Um, yeah, because, like, his photography, do you still get the same excitement out of it at all? Like, taking a good picture these days? I know you've been doing it for a while, but, like, is it still exciting? On,
1: on Friday, I, it was awesome. I, I photographed for
0: an artist in Wyoming, and I shot their board members, and it was a combination of very
1: wealthy oil magnates with artists, and it was fantastic. Yeah.
0: It was yeah, no, total fun. I mean, still very, very cool. No, it's exciting. It's always just, like, I think that's the thing about photography is this taking a good picture that you're proud of. Uh, that's the most exciting thing about it, you know? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's a great uh, well, tool having a camera. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I guess just to kind of, like, wrap up, like, uh, you've been a photographer for a while. You've done, like, a lot of amazing stuff. Um, what advice would you give to younger photographers um, kind of getting into photography, I guess?
1: Well, just maybe what I did for myself, just think for yourself and don't, you know, just try to experiment with a with a vision that, that, that suits your personality. And hopefully, uh, you know, economics will follow you. You don't have to follow it, you know. You don't know, have to follow money. Mm. Money can follow
0: you if you do what you want.
1: Yeah, it, you know
0: a certain amount of luck involved. Good job. Yeah, no, definitely. I think mm-hmm. that's good advice. Is shoot what you want, and hopefully some stuff comes your way. <laughs> uh, but uh, William, man, can't thank you enough. Like, like I said, I've been following your work for years. Uh, been a big fan, uh, so I can't thank you enough. Thanks, man. And for uh, people listening, like, where's the best place to check out your work? Think you got uh, your-
1: well, just my website,
0: WilliamCoupon.com. Cool. Perfect. I'll, I'll, link it on, I'll link it on there and people can go check it out. Good enough, man. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, William. Thanks again. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I actually wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PickDrop. Uh, it's a really great image transfer tool that was actually designed by a photographer, so they really kind of understand what photographers need when they're sending off their files to their clients. Um, I've been using it for a few weeks now, and it's really just kind of helped me stay organized, and I can create private galleries for the different assignments I'm working on when I need to send them off to my uh, clients and editors and whatnot that I'm working with, and they can actually write notes on the photos I send to them, so it's really just kind of, like I said, this kind of helped me stay organized and communicate much easier with my clients, and I've really enjoyed it. And uh, actually, with today's podcast, if you enter the promo code PHOTO Banter when you sign up at PickDrop.com, you're actually going to get three months free. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. Uh, I really enjoy it. Can't say enough about it. Um, but remember to use the promo code PHOTO Banter when you sign up at PickDrop.com and you'll get three months free. And also, I just want to give a big thank you to our guest, William Coupon, Um This is a big fan of his work for years, so I can't thank him enough for taking the time to come on. Um, That guy's done so much over the course of his career, Uh, this amazing work. Uh, But definitely go check out William's website at WilliamCoupon.com, as well as his Instagram, at WilliamCoupon. Lots of amazing work up there. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, as well as on my website, alexganyephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at Um So thanks so much, and take care.